0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Guys, I get to introduce two of my favorite people, Phil and Sharon Smithhurst. I'm going to invite them to come up. Some of you, um, I, I told Phil that he, he may be introduced as Sahara's dad, because some of you know Sahara from, from, uh, from October. Sahara's mom mom and dad. Y'all remember Sahara and Electa, and I uh, had a, a great visit with them. Guys, we, we were talking... Um, we were talking last night after we picked them up from the airport, and uh, I, I think we met in 1999. You guys heard the story of Sean and I living in Illinois, youth pastoring in the church up there. We met Dr. Leon. I, I called dad back here in Memphis. I said, you need to meet this man. And, and so dad came up for a conference, and uh, I think it was 99 um, that we were, um, we were in Urbana, Illinois, and ended up at a table after a meeting sitting across from Phil and Sharon, and they were uh, just kicking off Overland missions and had this grand vision, and and, uh, and who knew that 20-some years later, here we would okay. be, and, and all that God has done through Overland, and, and you guys, I, I, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it because you heard so much from, from Sahara and Electa uh, a couple of months ago and such, but guys they are going to the ends of the earth. They are training and equipping world changers that are going to the ends of the earth, going to the places where nobody else is going to reach them with the gospel. And uh, guys, I think that is the most awesome thing in the world. And I am proud to be a part of that. And uh, you guys, yeah, go ahead. You guys have been faithful supporters of the vision that God has given them for many, many, many years now. And so I'm excited to hear what they have to share. You guys as well? You guys welcome Phil and Sharon Smithhurst.
1: Amen. Well, I'm, I'm going to start and then hand it off to Phil. But gosh, I got so many things running through my mind. So I'm, I want to say all of them. So I'm just going to say them. <laughs> First of all, What a privilege to be back here. I can't believe it's been 20 years. We have not been disconnected for the 20 years, but for some reason it's been 20 years since we were last at this church. That means that we were here before we had children. And I have this memory imprinted in my brain that when we were here the last time, that your um, pastor took up an offering and gave us a fridge. (laughs) I got this memory in my brain. It was either a fridge or a washing machine for a house, but it was for a house. And that was important because up to that point, we'd been living in a car, as in we were, for two and a half years, we'd been married and traveling up and down the the east coast of America and doing ministry in Africa. Most of our time was in Africa. So we didn't need a house. So it's not like we were homeless. We would just, when we came back, we would go from church to church to church, we didn't need a house, but at the point that we decided to buy a house, you guys gave us it was either a fridge or a washing machine. So if anybody remembers, please let me know, but it had to do with that. The other thing I want to say, of course, is, my goodness, you, you guys have partnered with us for all these years, but not, you're now partnering with our daughter, and um, I've just come from we've just come from um, Cocoa Beach and my parents, who who were have been in the ministry for over 50 years, I was sitting down and having dinner with them the night before we came here, and uh, we were talking about, you know, kind of the old days of ministry when I was a kid and my parents were missionaries in Brazil, and and we would go back to England because that was their sending church, and we would go to all the churches and and just the move of God that was happening in those days. Um, and and how the church worked in those days. So we were kind of reminiscing those things and I was grabbing all the information that I could from my parents. And and so I come from this, it's now in my kids, a three generation ministry household where my father is in his 80s most of his days still drunk in the Holy Ghost, still excited about the move of God. He's getting on a plane tomorrow to go to, in- to Switzerland and England. And I don't know why, because he can barely breathe when he leaves the house. But he still has the nations in his heart, so he's getting on the plane. I'm going, don't do it, but he's doing it. <laughs> Man of faith. Um, so we are a three-generation household of ministers, and here I'm in a house of three generation household of ministers who are still excited about what God is doing because he is the same yesterday today and forever there is nothing different about him and of course we are excited to have Aaron come and do AMT pastors if you let us we will keep him (laughs) if you let us with your permission and blessing we will keep him if the Lord so uh, puts it in his heart And we're excited to have um, your church, some of your church members, come and do expeditions. Of course, it's not the first one. You've been with us in Zambia. You've been with us in Brazil. And and now you're coming to us again. So we are so excited to host you, some of your children, um, to come and do ministry with us in Brazil. And then the third thing I want to say is um, you're some of the friendliest people I've ever met. (laughs) I mean it. And you know why? Because I went to the bathroom just to go to the bathroom. And I have wonderful conversations with you, one after the other. And I'm like, usually you go in and come out, not here. You go in and you greet everybody. And somebody even told me, I I just greeted, sorry, I I forgot your name, but we were just washing hands and chatting to each other. She looks over at me. She says, oh, I know you. You were saved when you were three years old. I haven't been here for 20 years. <laughs> in that memory is still in in your mind. So, um, so thankful to be here. That how you've stayed connected and how you've blessed us throughout the years really speaks to the heart of this church, to the heart of your pastors, your family, um, and now to see the children in the nations and in ministry doing wonderful work for the Lord is just a testimony of who He is. The same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't matter what country we're in. We've just come back, come back from Egypt, and if I had time, I would share you with the things, share with you the things that God is doing in Egypt. It is phenomenal, and I must remind you, in Egypt is a Muslim country, majority, high majority Muslim country, and yet God is doing amazing things. Um, I had just this one short story. I, I asked the pastors because if you remember in, a, in 2011, it was when the Arab Spring started and it started in Egypt. And there was, you know, there was great tumult there and, and um, people were killed. And, um, and so I asked the pa- some of the pastors, I said, oh my gosh, tell me about 2011 because we were watching these things take place on TV and praying for you and how was it? How did the church come through it? And the, the answer I got was so surprising. It was said it what it said they said it was the best thing. Now I qualify that the war wasn't, the 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 people dying wasn't, and the tragedy wasn't, but the outcome in the midst of our darkest days and darkest moments where the devil is present only to kill, steal, and destroy. God, as the word says, turns it around and makes it makes it, what the devil planned to destroy, God makes it to be the greatest moment in our life. And they said that it it was the best thing, you understand what I'm saying? It was the best thing that happened to the church because it opened up the gates for the Christian church. And the church has been in revival ever since and it has not stopped. And it's taking ground upon ground that's going up to the government of Egypt who is shifting in their mentality towards Christianity. So So blessed to be here. God, he's the same. Yesterday, today, forever, doing amazing things in this church, in our lives, in our children's lives, in Sahara's life, uh, and in the nations, doing amazing things. You're part of it, and we are so blessed to be part of you also. Mm. Amen.
2: Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. Standing joke that she's a much better preacher than me, so sorry. Sorry. I'm not as good as her. (laughs) You just get me for the next 40 minutes. Praise God. Well, it's really good to be back with you. It was like yesterday for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a lot grayer, did you say? (laughs) Um, It was like yesterday for me, really. You know, I I have this strange gift. I I call it, it's got to be a gift, in that I never forget a message I preached anywhere in the world at any time. If I can go back to a pulpit, anywhere in the world, I remember everything I spoke the last time I spoke, it it all comes back to me. The very subject, the very things I was emphasizing, all comes back to me. It doesn't matter where in the world. So I can always come back 20 years later and go, let's just start where we left off last time. (laughs) Literally, I can go to it. I shared out of, um, I shared on the on the ministry of righteousness, and the, the, those that are unskilled in the word of righteousness and look to the rock from whence you were hewn. But I'm not gonna go there, but I just, it, for me it is just like, like yesterday coming here. Obviously the building's changed, and, um, and I'm so glad to see some people are still here from 20 years ago that, that remember us. And uh, it's a privilege for us to be back, and, and I apologize, Pastor, for not coming back In 20 years (laughs) but like I said we were busy (laughs) we weren't drinking pina coladas on a beach somewhere no we were busy Um, and um, I'll share a little testimony I think this morning I feel like I feel like um, I'd like to include you in some of the great things that we are doing around the world and have been doing and I'd like to do that because number one you've been a partner of ours but number two, I'm actually coming on to the executive committee here in the church. Um, and we felt like the Lord was doing that. And so I feel like we, we're in the team. You know what I mean? This is like now you're in my team and I'm in your team. So I'm going to give you some insight on the team. Um, so I felt, like, I felt like I wanted to share on what motivates us as a ministry. Like the... We've done some things, I mean, we were busy, we traveled the world, we put people in positions all over the world where most people wouldn't go. We took on the most remote tribes in every country, which was, had the most difficult environments, geographically, logistically, uh, the discrimination levels of those people were historic. You know, we always said to come into a country we went to the very first, the very last people, the First Nations, and begin to preach the gospel and share with them. And that was tough. Because in most of those locations, there's no power. There's no electricity. We launched a base recently. Six hours from the closest refrigerator. Six hours by car. At 70 miles an hour. I mean, long way from the closest refrigerator. Launching bases in these areas. Tough, tough stuff. And people sometimes cheer us on and say, oh, you're amazing, you're, you're great, you're the Indiana Jones, you know, you're, they've got all these terms for us that I laugh at, I kind of jot them down every now and then because I always say, yes, Indiana Jones wishes he was us. <laughs> he just wishes. He doesn't, he didn't even, when, you, when, you, when you're running around trying to find little, and parts of antiquity, it's not even in comparison to taking the ancient gospel the ancient voice of God and delivering it back to man and elevating them back into his presence, in his image, at his right hand, seeing the face of man open up. I mean, it is an adventure. But um, people, people cheer us on and they give us um, uh, praise as if it's been seriously difficult to do. And I think for some people it may be difficult, but for us, There was a motivation in our spirit. That's what I want to share on this motivation in our spirit, like a like a nuclear generator inside us that hasn't ceased since the last time we were here. It's never been a day I woke up in the morning scratching my head in fear or in doubt. Not one day. I must testify. Not one day did I step out of the bed the last 20 years and second guess and question what I'm doing. Not one day did I wake up depressed or in anxiety or in any way a victim of the work that I was doing. Just joy, just zeal, just power, all coming from some place. And I want to share it with you because it's there for you too. It's It's us as a church. It's ours. Um, Leon always jokes about me, and he, he, he says, Philip is, the, is the, the most eternal optimist in the world. And he has all these jokes, he, says, he tells. He says, he says, if a man is on death row and is about to get killed, Philip will be the one still telling him, you have potential to do something great. <laughs> um, it's true. I am an eternal optimist. It was nat, nat, It's not natural to me comes from the Word, comes from a place in God that you become almost invincible in life. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are situated, what city you find yourself. You can blindfold that type of person, put them in a helicopter, drop them anywhere in the world. They will take the blindfolds off and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe where I just landed. Optimism. You know, Spirit of God does these things in the church. And I want to tell you, this is the thing that has been inside of Sharon and I and our team. It has been an incredible journey. It has been amazing, and we are still full. We are still full. I'm still overflowing. I'm not wearing down, looking for my exit, looking for my retirement, saving Saving for the day I can check out the exit ramp. I'm full, and I want to share on that. So I want to start in—I'm um, going to share the, the word— That I came to give you, and then I'm gonna give you some testimonies of some of the great stuff happening because of this. But I'm gonna start in Genesis chapter three. It says, verse eight, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, and they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. There was in the garden, in the vision of God, in the plan of God for the establishment of his kingdom on the earth, there was a sound that was to be everywhere. I don't, I, I don't think that sound was a rustling of leaves. you know. And they heard the, the, the sound of God in the garden, like some footprints. No, there was actually the, the, the Hebrew word there is the word memra. They heard the memra of God in the garden. The memra was actually, um, I'm going to turn to First John. I'm still a little old school. I've got skinny jeans. Actually, I was like, these, <laughs> these jeans are way too skinny. I <laughs> but I'm still a little old school analog, you know? I have to turn in my page. You have to wait for me. It's not coming up on the screen. No, old school. That which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, the Memra, that which was from the beginning, and they heard the sound of the Lord in the garden. There was a sound. There was something. I promise, everything comes by sound waves, by the way. Your, Your phone, it's all sound waves. Everything Wi-Fi is a sound wave. Everything is in sound. The power, the word of God, God spoke the worlds using sound waves. It was a sound wave that, that spoke the worlds into being. It's faith is manifest in sound waves. You speak it. So there was a sound in the garden that God had. It was powerful. John writes, he says, That which was from the beginning, that we have heard that we have seen with our eyes, that we have looked upon, that our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, the memra, the word of life. And there was a sound in the garden. There was the word of life, life, zoe, this presence of God, this this incorruptible seed, the DNA of heaven inside of man, in the garden, and it was cut off, it was ended through Adam's denial, through his, through his anarchy of, of the kingdom of God, and it ended in the garden, God. The next 4,000 years, God had one mission, reestablish this memra, the sound. Reestablish the sound of God in the earth. And I'm going to share on this because, um, listen to this verse in um, Isaiah. Everyone say, Isaiah. Isaiah. See, that's the way the Lord says it. Now you got it, Isaiah. Verse, chapter 9 and verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders. I mean, this is an epic verse. We all know it. The government will be on his shoulders. I work with, we work with governments all the time, and third, God has given us as a ministry this unusual favor with governments. It's been so in, just interesting. Everywhere we have gone, we have had favor in the political realms, um, with presidents and governors, and, and it just goes on and on. Traditional leaders, chiefs, emperors, kings, every place we go, we get favor with them. And I think it's because we recognise that there is a authority over the authorities of the earth. Upon his shoulders will be the government, and his name shall be wonderful, counselor, everlasting father, prince of priests, and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. I work for that government. Hallelujah. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from this time on and forever. So this mission, this four-year-old mission, 4,000-year-old mission was this mission. Establish my government through my son that would establish you. And it says this there, the last part of that in verse 7 says, And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I love that part because there is this energy, this zeal, is the zeal of the Lord of hosts. It's his zeal, his mission, his cause, his deployment of the sound. And when I grab that mission, it's like the nuclear generator started in me. That same zeal of the Lord of hosts came into me and never tires, never exhausts. And um, and so I want to share on on um, on a little bit on the sound now, starting in Haggai chapter two. It's a lot of scriptures, but just stay with me. I'm gonna I'm setting up a foundation. Haggai chapter two says this: "For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake." all nations, and they shall come to the desire of the nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord. And I will fill this temple with glory, says God. And the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. So God firstly has a, has a mission. I'm going to shake the nations. He's not positioning the church just in sub- suburbs just peacefully gathering in small communities little clubhouses he's positioning the church to shake everything you 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 may come here in this congregation and may, this may be your first time here you may be new you may be old and you come to the same parking lot the same walls same carpet same faces and you think that this is just a repeti- repetitive type of group gathering. God doesn't see it this way. He sees this as a, a, a terrorist cell. <laughs> You're like a cell planted in the middle of this, this government of man. To shake everything. He has a greater vision for you than you have for yourself. But he's gonna do it through the temple, the latter temple, in through which it is in which it is filled with glory. Now we know the latter temple is here. This temple. You know the enemy's on a mission to somehow make you identify your body, your life. In, from a natural point of view, every day of your life, identify you with your last name. Go, oh, my name is Robinson. I have no great, no great forefathers. No, no Robinson did anything great. You're going to always look, or, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a um, of a, some reputation where my great grandfathers were all these great reputations. Were you leaning upon some kind of natural identity to find your natural to find your identity, or your governmental identity? I'm an American, great country, flag everywhere. You know, Brazilians. Sharon like, was raised in Brazil. The Brazilians and their flags. Come to worship service. You got Christians with colorful flags, and the Brazilians got the Brazilian flag. It's always the Brazilian flag. It's like they link themselves to a natural identity. It's a trap. So then you go from your natural identity to your natural physique. You look at yourself in the mirror, you observe yourself, you go, Oh, I'm I'm looking awesome. I look great. If Jeremy go buy myself a new suit, I'm really gonna feel great. Well, some years passed, now you're fat and ugly. <laughs> now what? Now what? You know, things change. You cannot just look to your natural man and get your confidence. It's not the church. This place is a trap to, to steal the zeal of the Lord of hosts out of your life. And then before you know it, you'll be at the counters of the pharmacies of this country. Hand out, receiving something to help prop you up in your physical life. Because you gave up somewhere down the line. The sound that was in the garden, the life of God, that the glory of the latter temple, that which God was going to put and promise to put in you. Yours to live right now in its fullness was not apprehended. And you're limping along through life. But God doesn't, he sees you full. I want to let you know. He sees you absolutely full. He doesn't go, oh, shame, that one over there, never really appropriated. Therefore, they're half full. No, you are full, 100%. Like it or not, if you have bowed your knees to the lordship of Jesus Christ, all of the promises of God came to you, like it or not, it's all yours. It's only received by faith. And as your faith grows, you will appropriate more, but it's yours. You are living in this latter temple, this latter glory, okay? So if God observes you with such greatness and fullness, without any limitations, with every single curse that was on you that came through Adam, canceled. That's the way. He cannot reverse this. He can't suddenly, you can't now educate God on how weak you are. <laughs> he sees the cross. He sees the 4,000-year-old mission of redemption until the day that Jesus, remember, he sat in, the, in Luke chapter 4, he opened the Bible with all of the all of the, 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 the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and high priests around him, and he read from, um, um, in Luke chapter 4, he read from the Scriptures that said, The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and stop the deaf ears. And they closed the Bible and paused and said, today it's fulfilled. That's when it exploded. They were fine to hear the scriptures. But the devil hates faith. If you can say today, today it's mine. Devil just going to freak out. Please not let the church understand that this is in the now. Let them them live in hope. Maybe, Lord, let them live in hope. Maybe one day I would get that. Maybe, just maybe, the pastor prays for me if I I, um, do some kind of circuit training in the Word. Some kind of work I could accept. No, it's a today reality that God is, has put us on the church. So I'm sharing these things because I want, I want you to know that there is a theology to our duology. <laughs> when you accomplish great things in God, the duology of it is usually set up by a very strong theology. I have a big duology. I'm not a talker. I just don't like talk. I'm a visionary too, by the way. I'm like a serial entrepreneur in the spirit. I I just create businesses, but not businesses, because I laid that down. I can do that, but I don't. I create kingdom endeavors, similar, but um, when people in the natural come to me with business plans or lots of people are casting vision all day long. People are dreaming. They're dreaming. And I don't like dreaming. I'm not a dreamer. I'm a visionary. Dreamers dream. Never, they don't usually accomplish. Visionaries accomplish, then they tell you what they're doing. I'm a person who, when I say I'm doing something, I've already started it like months ago. It's got wheels. It's now going. Now I can start talking about it. I'm, a, I'm like the, du- my duology is really high. But it's because of our, an understanding that I have that is so radical to me and so radical to the nations that I, it's an energy that's in me that's unstoppable. And it is the vision that God has concerning man. Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, actually one of, one of the verses that is central to my life. It is 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. It says this, the love of Christ constrains me because I judge that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. That word all, everyone. The love of Christ constrains me because I see this glory in everyone. So somebody presents themselves to me. Hello, my name name is Mr. Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. They're doing a presentation of who they are. I see something completely different. I don't care what you wear. I don't care your color. I don't care you got glasses, you don't have glasses. I don't care you're fat or thin, tall or short, black or white. I don't care. I got another vision. I got something completely different in my mind. I got the finished work of Jesus Christ given to you, the latter temple, the glory of God come on you, the cancellation of every curse that was promised you through Adam, off of your life through Him. I'm like, okay. I get the suit. I get the color, the hairdo. I get all that. I'm going to get past that really quickly. i got to let you know I see something different. Yeah. Generator's just going. I'm just smiling. He's let me at this. Give, let me give you the word. Set you out. Set you free. So I want to tell you now that when we took on the third world nations of the world, the corners of the earth, it wasn't out of pity for anybody. It wasn't pity. It was out of a generator that said those people qualify for all of the goodness of God. I must let them know too. It's got to let them know. They're 100% qualified. I was watching the news last week and I was really irritated. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you in on my irritation. Because, I mean, I love the church and I love the leaders of the church. But sometimes they can be so dumb who represent us. On television, before the world, like you see a believer get up with the mic. He's gonna say something. He's a pastor. You go. You just go like, this. "Oh my gosh, everyone's about to think I'm included in whatever he's about to say because I'm a believer." You know what I mean? What is he about to say? And then they say something good. You go, "Thank you, Lord." Jeez. <laughs> then they get. Then they do stupid things, and they represent us all. I'm watching Fox News. No, yeah, it was Fox News. I was watching Fox. I'm like. I don't know what to watch anymore. You know, when you travel abroad, you watch Al Jazeera. Because we don't know what to watch. But um, I was just trying to get Ukraine. You know, I'm trying to follow Ukraine. Who's got the best information on Ukraine? And I'm trying to stay. So I'm watching the news. And there's an advert on Fox News primetime. A Christian ministry has got primetime adverts on Fox News. I'm like, "Uh? okay, what are you saying? What are you saying? So this was the advert. John Hagee, I mean, I don't know him. He's a good man, actually. I think he's been great to the country. I don't know. I don't follow him, but I know he's a good man. He's got a ministry, and he's saying, he's saying this. He's saying, send money to Ukraine, to us to send to Ukraine. And I go, awesome. The church needs to send money to Ukraine. That's great. Now's our time to shine, but let's get in there. The Ukrainian church, let's get them as much aid as we can. He says, so that we can help the Ukrainian Jews. I'm like, I'm like, what? So you're going to send someone to the border with money and go, oh, come, i help you. Are you, a no. <laughs> Are you a Jew? No. Are you a Jew? No. Are you a Jew? No. Go sit on the street. No food. No clothing. I mean, it's discrimination. I was like, the church gets so full of religious discrimination. It's ridiculous. I was, so, I was just mad. I mean, I love the Jews like I love Everybody. Yeah, there's no discrimination. Actually, Jesus was identical to that. But Paul was like, my name is Paul. I am a Roman. I am a Jew. I am the apostle of God to the Gentile nations. Yeah. The Bible is just so full of non-discrimination. It went for everyone that tried to discriminate. It said, all oh, the love of Christ constrains me because I judge that one died for all. So everyone who approaches me is qualified. Everyone qualifies. I'm not sending money to one small ethnocentric group somewhere in the world. Are you crazy? I'm born again theologian. I cannot discriminate. No scripture, no word of God, no matter how you bend it, will allow you as a new creation to discriminate one person from the next. There is none. Because the... Th- The whole crux of the New Testament is that a vision of the new, of the believer, is that they see somebody completely qualified to receive all of the goodness of God on their life, without limitation, by the natural. And so, this power that is delivered to the nations called the Memra, that which was in the God and the sound of God's love and acceptance and qualification and, and um, inheritance for the people in his presence, in the glory, in the presence of God. That which was in the God and is now being restored to mankind and we get to deliver it to the nations. And it's amazing. So we've spent the last several years, obviously in in the corners of the earth, we always end up with the discriminated people. And um, we went to Angola, I'll tell you, and we just see God come through every time, it's amazing. The gospel is amazing, because the the media, the feed that people have got has been so discriminated dismantling of their lives, it's been disruptive to who they are. Colonialism came in, it stripped people of natural identity, stripped them of their natural leader of their local leadership to take their forests, their farms, their minerals. And you get to these people, they have nothing left, no identity, no territory. And then the Bible gives you everything back all at once. The gospel that God included you. The, The land of Canaan, yours. Egypt behind you. And in the presence of God and in the glory of his New Testament kingdom comes everything. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord. It's all there. So it's so powerful and it's so, it's so, um, it has such authority that it affects every part of society. So I'll share a couple of stories about how, this, how, this, how being a, a steward of this message has been so integral in everything we've done. We weren't rambling around the world just creating projects. I want to let you know. I wasn't creating projects around the world, feeding, dropping off shoes. No. We were ambassador of a message, this member, this word that touched everyone's lives that we went to. That's all we've focused on, and everything else happened on this, in the sidelines. We were given nations. You know, the Bible says, ask me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. We were given nations over and over again. Nations being tribes, ethnic groups that no one ever has been to. We went to the one tribe in Angola, um, in Central Africa. There's tribes there. Angola was a byproduct of communism. Um, and over, over the last, so 1930, the wars started for the countries of Southern Africa. And Russia took over. The Portuguese took over. Then the, under Salazar, and then the Russians came back through. The Cubans took over. And it's just at war the whole time. And the the communism discriminated between those that lived in the cities and those that lived in the bush. The bush get nothing. They don't get a language. They don't get translations. They don't get education. They don't get mathematics. They don't get geography. They don't get history. They get nothing. So we got to these tribes seven years ago without any form of education. Not a single tar roads, cell phones, people driving along tribal people with not a single piece of literature. Nothing. Just discriminated. We arrived there, amongst them. See God begin to touch these people. We went to the police. We said, we're going into the area and the police are like, we have to have a police escort because they'll kill you and and all these things. And we went, okay, but people are not like that. We know people. People don't kill you. If you come in love, they love you. If you come to war, they're going to kill you. (laughs) You know? So we've never had So anyway, we went in, and I asked them, I said, I want to go to the king, to the leaders of this nation, and they said, "Um, no, they don't have kings. They don't have any leaders. These people are so savage. They are savages. I went there. They were normal people. Now, they didn't have clothes, and they didn't have, they they wore small, like, sarongs and stuff around their waist, but that's it. Men and women, they don't wear anything above their waist. And they don't marry. They don't have any test. They don't have no Bible, nothing. No, no history of Jesus or any form. When we went to them first, firstly we found out they had a king. Everyone in the world told us they didn't. We went to the missionaries that had been there, missionary hospital that had been in that country. There were no missionaries in the nation um, that were apostolic. Um, the hospital was like, no, they don't have any. They, they actually told us that these tribes live up in the north in about 200 kilometers. We went there. They hadn't been there in 50 years. They were south 200 kilometers. They didn't even know where anyone was. Um, But we went to these people and shared the identity that God had put in them. Said you were made in. I want to let you know you were made in the image of God. So they all talked about it. Came back to us two days later. We as elders, we we spoke about what you said, and we believe that's the truth. That we were made in the image of God. That's possibly the truth. They felt like in their spirits. That was right. Continue. You know, we were just like weeks and weeks. We preached, oh man, we had some, some interesting encounters. Um, one of them being, preaching being born again uh, with them. And it was when our first, this was our first trip. We have now three bases out there with several families living amongst them. Very difficult, very hard environment. Um, first time was, how is it that that, that man can climb back in their mother's womb. We don't understand. It's straight out the Bible, you know. But the recent one was to our team. They told us the Mookabur King Nation came together. Now we've had many salvations now, small communities. We have the first, we did translation of their language. Um, we're doing the translation of the language where we did the first lit, verbal translation doing the Jesus film for Campus Crusade. We did all of that for them. And then we're doing the language for Wycliffe on the ground for them. But the recent one was, we want to know how big the kingdom of God is. How big is the kingdom of God? It's like people who don't know anything spiritual or geography. And was like, the team said, why, why do you want to know that? Because we have a question. Can the whole of the Mukabau tribe fit inside that kingdom? Our missionaries are like pinching themselves. We're going to stay here a little longer and let you know. <laughs> let you know. But we've had some really big wins, big wins amongst these tribes because of the zeal of the Lord of hosts that's in us, the roadways. You know, in 2019, right before COVID, we we did a measurement on how many miles our vehicles traveled that year in third world countries. So we did an odometer reading because people were asking us, how many people are getting saved? We have hundreds and hundreds of missionaries, hundreds of volunteers all over the world, And we don't calculate those numbers because expeditions are are expensive. They take a long time. There's a lot of energy. And sometimes 10 people get saved, sometimes 2 people. We don't measure the cost per dollar, whether the success. We just don't do it. But I do measure energy. Like how much energy you put in? Because that's a measurement. Did you guys work this year? (laughs) You know what I mean? That's what I want to know. So we took an odometer reading. We did 3.5 million, 3.49 million miles in third world countries in the year 2019. That was to the moon and back seven times in third world countries, you know, driving like, like this. You're changing shocks, tires, tie rod ends every year. You're moving like, like your vehicles take a beating. Um, and the following year, 2020, during COVID, Nobody came home. So no missionaries came home. The embassy said, we would take you all home. Everyone will get a private uh, uh, trip home because of the size of our organization in the nations. We gave it to our missionaries. The embassy said, just tell them and they'll get you home. No one, no one came. So we continued. Our mileage was still high. We still Last year, we never stopped. All of our boats, trucks, and vehicles all kept going last year. Great labor. Through this labor, we started seeing. We started seeing so many just fruit of, of our labor over the last twenty years. The president of Zambia, right now Hikayende Hichalema, who this morning sent a text out again, quoting scripture, blessing his country, saying, saying we're a Christian nation, quoting the scriptures. To the country. Every day he quotes the scripture and prays for the nation, live to the nation. Hikayenda came to see me six, Hikayenda, his first name's Hikayenda, Came to see me six years ago, asked me to help him. We picked, helped him with his political runway to run against the ruling party, which you know in Africa is like almost impossible. It's like they're in 30, 40 years when they start. Corruption. He just won by landslide in August, landslide victory in the nation of which we set up the runway for that. The political influence we have in, around the world is, is, is just unbelievable. You know, we got kicked out of Israel. Uh, uh, Israelis kicked us out. I love Jews. I don't know why they're coming up. I love the Jews. I love Israel. They kicked us out of Palestine, Our of overlay missions, gave us a 10-year ban to the nation. The one country we thought we'd be accepted in. <laughs> We've never been kicked out of any country in the world, by the way, except Israel. Um, They kicked us out on a Tuesday, by Saturday morning, on the Oval Office, in the United States uh, White House, was a dossier put on the table with President Trump and the Jewish Knesset, who were in there, with our dossier saying, why are you kicking us out of your country? How How did we get to such political positions? But that's, that's some of the place. But the greatest testimony, I want to tell you, of, of our endeavors that was all based on a theology, a great zeal of the Lord, a host based on the word and the finished work of Jesus Christ, was that the traditional leaders of the world, I'll say of the world because it's just about everywhere, Madagascar, Zambia, Angola, Congo, Mozambique, um, Tanzania, Brazil, a little bit in Brazil, but the the northern United States, being Canada and the U.S., traditional leaders, all look to us as pastors and leaders and forerunners of the Word of God in their traditional tribes. So much so that Matthew Kuhnkamp, the Grand Chief of all First Nations of Canada, and recognized in the United States amongst all of the United States First Nations as one of the great leaders of the world is on our board in Overland Missions. That's the man with the eagle feathers over all First Nations of Americas. On our board. The Southern African Emperor mantiav Emperor of all First Nations of Africa, came to our Rapid 14, sees us as his leaders, bowed his knee for the first time in the history of the mantiav Never has the Emperor bowed his knees in the history of the the, the life of the Mantiav, the, the emperor of emperors. The one who bowed his knee at our rapid 14 in public to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Under him come all of the traditional leaders, the kings and the paramount chiefs. All through us. The president of Zambia, previous president, gazetted us to put a pastor, trained pastor, in every palace within the country of Zambia. That's 170 palaces. A pastor to be the chief advisor to every king. Amazing. I mean, it's ridiculous. We're pinching ourselves. And we're simple people with no notoriety. I know I dressed up for you this morning. I did it for you. I don't normally. I just don't like dressing. We are not like fancy people. But, we, but the word is strong. We didn't give up this message and, and start philanthropizing, start setting projects up. And do something that was not central to the finished work and the preaching of the gospel, the memra, the, the sound that changes people's lives. And I'll tell you today, I'll close with this. I've got a lot of other stories to tell you. About, um, and we're doing some big things this year that you can pray about. But um, the church goers, church goers like, like us. Are, um, I've seen, I've witnessed this in, in, in the first world. They often look to the leaders for the solutions to their present problems. We have present problems. We have issues, we have anxieties, we have, we have dilemmas. We need, we need agreement from the body of Christ in those situations. But often, they look to the leaders... Because the authority of the word of God is upon the leaders that can help you with your lack of your need. So come forward to the leader. Help me with my problem. Hopefully you've got authority over my sickness, over my depression, over my my issue. So let's pray. Let's hopefully you have the authority. The reality is you actually have the authority. And until you realize that, You're only going to stumble back. There'll be miracles. But you'll stumble back to your seat for the next problem to take you on. Until the authority that you have in Christ Jesus, you actually stand on for yourself. You look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am, he's in me. And this authority is on me and I'm not going to wake up this morning depressed. I am not going to consider these people as my enemies anymore. I'm not going to walk in a fence anymore anymore. I'm not going to, these things, I'm not, you have to do it. It's on you to do, you've got the glory. You are the temple. It's you. The glory is on you. You're the fullest people in the whole world with the glory of God. There's no other church or building or event that is more powerful or more filled with glory than your body right now. And that's what God believes. That's what he believes. And I believe it. So I'm different. I'm changed because I believe it. Amen. So this year, um, I'm sharing these things, guys, um, because I want to include you in the endeavors I'm doing and the wins and the reasons for my wins. Because in me as a player, in your team, I'm like an associate with you. So if you associate with me and I associate with you, we're all big. So you can associate with me in some of these things. This year, I'm going to pull together an event. You can pray about this because you need to pray. You need to help me with your prayers because I'm a little nervous. Uh, I don't usually get nervous. I'm nervous that I won't pull it off correctly. That's all. I'm pulling together every traditional leader in sub-Saharan Africa into one city at one time. 230 traditional leaders, kings, emperors, and paramount chiefs. That means they come with their security, they come with their entourages, they come with their press, they come with their thing. It's like a big deal. Imagine like 230. We do this often, 10 come, we had dinner with 37 at our house recently and it was was contained because they didn't come with their securities and and it was nice. But we're gonna have them for two days at a conference. I'm hiring the the brand new convention center in, in Lusaka. Hotels. I take care of hotels. I take care of food. I take over the entourages, buses, cars, transportation, security, cameras, CNN, BBC. Everyone's going to be there, and my objective is to produce this—the memra, the sound of the gospel. Because it's one thing when you perform and you before traditional leaders. They're not impressed by anything. Remember, they believe that they are the center of the world. Every one of them. So they don't, like, make you the scent. But when you can hear a sound of the glory of God on a region, you'll never forget that. And I'm going to do it. It's going to be, it's going to be the, only, the last time this was done, but it was done. It was done by General Gaddafi. He brought them all to Libya. And he said these words to the people of Africa, the traditional leaders. He didn't bring them all. He brought about 15 from every country. He said, Africa will be one continent with one currency under one God. And his name will be Allah. That's what he said. The Zambian chiefs all got up and walked out. The rest of them stayed. Our chief stayed. So God's doing something amazing. So Southern Africa. We'll be, we'll be pulling them all together, and we're going to have a two nights. I've got the top iconic worship leaders of the nation of some Southern Africa in free. They're coming to help us with the sound. And, um, and it's going to be epic. It's epic. And we're doing a lot of other things. Haiti. Haiti. So we, we've done the, we're doing the runway for the new prime minister, president of Haiti. We, we did, from our offices in, Zam, from, in Cocoa Beach, we set up the whole campaign for a Christian president in Haiti. Because, you know, the Clintons, bless their hearts, need to get out of Haiti. Stop messing with that country, pillaging all the nonprofit money into their private accounts and leaving a country poor. It needs to end. And the only way to do this is start at the top. The new guy running, we are doing the entire campaign. He is now running 44% in the, in the diaspora of Haiti. He is, he is 44% favor. The closest running person is at 10%. Elections is in October. We may go into Haiti. Us little nobodies. Take out the Clintons. Get out of the way, please. Because remember, the government is on His shoulders. Why not? Why not us? It's going to happen. We're going to do some crazy things this year. You're a part of it. And I need you to know that it's not out of just cheap vision. It is out of the zeal of the Lord of hosts for the sound of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, of His finished work, of a today work, not a maybe, Not a one day. A finished work that has happened through His blood. And we're all a part of that. And we're at the front lines of it. And so are you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So would you stand with me this morning before I hand this meeting back to the Pastor Rob. Put your hand on your chest. As you do, I'm going to pray that that authority that you have as a believer comes on you by the Spirit of the Lord. As Pentecostals, we don't do... We don't do things in the flesh. We do them by the Spirit. So as you lay your hand on your chest, I pray the fire of God touches your body. from The top of your head, the soles of your feet, and the authority of God that's already on you becomes like a revelation to you in Jesus' name. It becomes like a revelation to you. That your eyes are opened right now in Jesus' name to that anointing that is within you. That glory that abides within you. That finished work of Jesus Christ that is yours right now. It's yours right now. Father, I pray for this church. I pray that this is the year of the double. Double everything. Double the finances. Double the congregation. Double the anointing. Double everything upon what they do in this this region. In Jesus' name. And and as they lay their hands on their bodies right now, I rebuke illness. Let this be a sign in this church that nobody ever gets sick in, in this church let this be a sign that there are no financial needs in this church. It's just a miracle of the house. Let it be a, house of the, a miracle of the house that there is never a need in this house. Never financial need. Never physical needs. That every need is met in Jesus' name. Let it be the miracle in this house. Let this house be filled with notable miracles this year. Notable miracles. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Those wonders that make you wonder. Let them come to this house, Lord, in Jesus' name. In this year, I pray right now, In Jesus' name, amen. One thing before you hand it, before you sit down, and I hand it over. We just, we just heard of a notable miracle, and I love notable miracles because God does them to give you free marketing. We don't want to market on Facebook and try and find out Facebook mark, marketing. No, we just need a notable miracle, Lord. Just one, one massive one that everyone knows about. I'm going to pray for, because I feel like a, you need to have a couple. And you are going to have a couple, but you need to see them when they come. We were just in Cairo. Cairo is a city. Man, that's a big city. I've never seen a, big, a city like that in my life before. I Just first trip to Cairo. God opened the doors in Cairo for Overland Missions through the leaders there. The largest church in the Middle East is a church called Casa de Barra. And we met with the pastor and the leaders of Egypt. It was amazing how God opened those doors for us. The pastor of Casa and his team is telling us a story that just happened, a notable miracle. Remember, these are interesting things that God gives the body. He doesn't do them every day, but he does, does them on purpose. So this particular one was they were in Cairo in a prayer meeting. Part of his church were in a prayer meeting. So it was probably like the intercessors, 10 or 15, 20 people. Kassadabara has 10,000 members in several congregations in Cairo, which is big. Remember the Muslim Brotherhood, and now we have Barra. Um, and they were praying, and the Holy Spirit gave them a vision to pray for a woman down in the south of Egypt, probably Luxor or one of the cities south. And they just began to pray in the Spirit for this lady in their vision. I believe there's a lady that needs us to pray. They begin to pray for a lady. Unbeknownst to them, down in Luxor, three or four days prior, a lady had come to know, had, had, sorry, had, she had become a Christian, but her husband had found out that she'd become a believer. And, the, and she had not uh, um, denied him. And so they took her and they planned to kill her. And they put her in a Hessian bag that day tied her up in a Hessian bag and left her in a room while they plotted how to kill her. And in Egypt, it's called an honor killing. You're permitted to kill people in a Muslim honor killing. So they plotted, how are you going to kill this woman for, 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 for doing this thing? And they were plotting to kill her, and these people began to pray in 500 miles away in Cairo. This prayer meeting began an urgent, in this urgent prayer. This lady appears in the meeting, in the Hessian bag, in flesh and bone. They untie the bag in the prayer meeting. Out comes a lady. She's like, Where am I? <laughs> Who are you? Where am I? What's the story? So she tells the story. They take her, because in Egypt they have protocols on how to deal with this. The pastors do they know this is a this is a big problem when when one member, one family member comes to Christ. They take her to the U.S. Embassy for asylum. They give her asylum. As of like a week or so ago, she's back, or a week before when we were there, a week ago, she's a month ago now. She's in the U.S. as a refugee, gets full asylum in the U.S. for protection. I was like, Pastor, are you sure? That really happened? I was like, so we went to Luxor, came back. When I got back, I was with the elders. I said, tell me that story again. I need to know, Is this really happened? It really happened. A notable miracle. But God will do notable miracles in your midst that will be free marketing for His glory, for the growth of His church. These things are here for you, in Jesus' name. It be, be going to be a great year for this church. Hallelujah. Amen. Love you. Thank you.